section twenty three of in old plantation days by paul lawrence dunbar this librivox recording is in the public domain a judgment of paris it is a very difficult thing at any time and in any place to be the acknowledged arbiter of social affairs but to hold this position in little africa demanded the maximum of independence discretion and bravery i say bravery because the civilization of little africa had not arrived at that edifying point where it took disapproval gracefully and veiled its feelings it was crude and primitive inapt to resent adverse comment by an appeal to force not of the persuasive but of the vindictive kind it had fallen to the lot of mr samuel hatfield to occupy this delicate position of social judge and though certain advantages and privileges accrued to him his place was in no wise a sinecure there were times when his opinions on matters of great moment had been openly scoffed at and once it had even happened when a decision of his had been displeasing that fleetness of foot alone had saved him from the violence of partisans little did it matter to the denizens of little africa that others might be put upon committees to serve with mr hatfield in judging the merits of waltzers or of the qualities of rival quartets he was the one who invariably brought in the report and awarded the prize and on him fell the burden of approval or disapproval for some months he had gone on gloriously unannoyed with no one to judge and nothing to pass upon in the absence of these duties cupid had stepped in and with one shaft laid him prone at the feet of miss matilda jenkins of course mr hatfield did cast occasional glances at the charms of miss amarilla jones but cupid grown wise with the wisdom of the world has somehow learned to tip his arrows with gold and the wound of these is always fatal now the charms of these two maids were equal their brown beauty about the same but matilda jenkins father was a magnet in little africa and so on a night in autumn the devil appeared to certain members of the trustees board of mount moriah church and said unto them you need money wherewith to run this church and they answered and said yes good devil we do the devil spoke again and said give a calico festival and a prize to the woman wearing the prettiest calico dress and much elated they replied yea verily thereupon the devil his work being done vanished with a crafty smile leaving them to their deliberations brother jenkins and brother jones were both members of the bard and when the contest was decided upon they looked across at each other with defiance shining in their eyes because there was a strong rivalry between the two families but their animosity apparently ended brother jenkins dropped his eyes for he was a little old man and brother jones was husky which is the word that in their community indicated rude strength the fight however for fight it was going to be was on within the next few days the shopkeepers of the town sold bolt upon bolt of calico the buying of this particular line of goods was so persistent that one shopkeeper who was a strong-tongued rude man laid it at the door of certain advocates of industrial education and began to denounce any doctrines which repressed in the negro his love of clothes far above his pocket and thereby lowered profits as soon as mr hatfield learned what was going on he became alarmed for he 
saw more clearly than most people and he knew that it was all the invention of the devil his good angel prompted him to flee from the town at once but he lingered to think about it and while he lingered the committee came upon him they wanted him to be chairman of the awarding committee he stammered and made excuses you see gentlemen's hits des des away i low i got to go out of town for my boss des bout de time dat dis here comin off and i wouldn't like to promise him den despite you dat's all right dat's all right said brother jones the spokesman i knows your boss and he tex a mighty interest in mount moriah i'll see him and see ef he can't let you go before or after de entertainment the sweat broke out on mr hatfield's brow in painful beads oh never mind never mind he exclaimed hastily dis here's private business and i wouldn't like him to know that i done spoke bout it but we got to have you mr hatfield you surely must speak to yo boss if you don't i'll have to i speak to him den i speak to him i see what he say den i reckon we kin count on yo services i reckon you kin said the victim as the committee went its way hatfield was sure that he heard a diabolical chuckle and smelt sulphur the days that had dragged flew by and the poor social arbiter looked upon the nearing festivity as upon the approach of doom with the clear perception of a man who knows his world mr hatfield already saw that all women in the contest besides matilda jenkins and amarilla jones were but figureheads accessories only to the real fight between the rival bells so as an earnest of his intention to be impartial he ceased for the time his attentions to matilda jenkins this lady though was also wise in her day and generation she offered no protest at the apparent defection of her lover indeed when her father squeaked his disapproval of hatfield's action she was quick to come to his defence i reckon mr hatfield knows what he's about she said loyally you know how de people talks around ya den ef he go and gib me de prize dey des bound to say dat it ain't cause i wind it but cause he keep in company wid me and ain't gwine to shame his own lady uh-huh said the old man that hadn't crossed my mind before in the meantime a similar council was taking place between miss amarilla jones and her father i've been noticing said the paternal jones one day that sam hatfield don't seem to be a gwine wid matildy jenkins so much amarilla modestly ducked yes that's the word she ducked her head but she smiled as she replied mr hatfield been castin sheep's eyes at me for a long while now well what good do dat do lessen he up and say something never you mind pap i loves i understand young men better dan you do if he don't mean nothing how come he done give up matilda jenkins des at dis junction it's almighty queer to me don't you see he got to judge de contest and he can't and he can't go again in his own lady so he gin her up now ef he give me de prize he feel perfectly free to ax me to marry him we oui, ee whistled the elder entirely overcome with admiration at his daughter's sagacity you surely has got a quick head on dem shoulders a yawn at the time appointed the members and friends of mount moriah assembled for the calico social the church was crowded with a curiously gowned throng of all conditions and colours who tittered and chattered with repressed excitement there was every conceivable kind of dress there among the contestants from belted mother hubbards to their aristocratic foster sisters empire gowns there was calico in every design 
from polka dot to dolly varden's and there was anxiety promptly at ten o'clock the judges three pompous individuals with white ribbons in their buttonholes strode in and took their seats just beneath the pulpit then there was a short address by the pastor who being a wily man and unwilling to put his salary in jeopardy assured his hearers that if he were one of the judges he would just throw up his job and give a prize to every lady in the room this brought forth a great laugh and somewhat relieved the nervous tension but it did not make the real judges feel any better over their difficult task indeed it quite prostrated their chairman who in spite of his pompous interests sat huddled up in his chair the sweat breaking out of every pore and the look of final despair in his eyes when the pastor was through with his drivelling the organist took her place at the wheezy little cabinet organ and struck up a decorous sounding tune to which the contestants marched round and round the room before the eyes of the bewildered arbiters they stepped jauntily off marking the time perfectly to show off their airs and graces as well as their clothing it was like nothing so much as a sort of religious cake-walk and the three victims of their own popularity presided over the scene with a solemnity that was not all dignity nor yet pride of place five times the contestants marched around and then at a signal they halted and ranged themselves in a more or less straight line before the judges after careful inspection somewhat like that of prize cattle at a fair they were dismissed and three very nervous and perturbed gentlemen retired to consult now these people were lovers of music and at the very promise that they were to hear their favourite singer miss otilla bell they usually became enthusiastic but to-night miss bell came out without a greeting and sang her best without attention there were other things occupying the minds of the audience the vocalist was barely done warbling disappointedly when a burst of applause brought a smile to her face but a glance in the direction toward which every one was looking showed her that the acclamation was not for her but for the returning judges the men took their seats until the hand-clapping ceased and then mr hatfield in sorrowful case arose to read the committee's report we de committee he paused and looked at the breathless auditors then went on we de committee i wish to impress dat on you dis ain't de decision of one man but of a committee and one of us ain't no mo sponsible den de udder we de committee after carefully examinin de costumes of de ladies here assembled as contestants in dis annual calico social it was not annual but then it sounded well do fine here he cleared his throat again and repeated himself do fine dat de most striking costume was worn by miss matilda jenkins who is therefore entitled to de prize a little patter of applause came from the jenkins partisans will miss jenkins please come forward matilda sidled to the front with well-simulated modesty miss jenkins we de committee i repeat we de committee takes great pleasure in presentin you with de prize for your handsome costume it is dis beautiful photograph album may you have nothin but de faces of friends in it for de reason dat you has no enemies he bowed she bowed there was again the patter of perfunctory applause and for that night at least the incident was closed fear has second sight and albeit he trembled in his shoes mr hatfield was in no wise astonished when old man jones called on him next morning at the hotel where he was employed why why how do mr jones how do howdy growled the old man and went on without pause me and rilla wants to see you to-night why why mr jones began hatfield i i but the other cut him short his brow gathering me and rilla wants to see you he said the scared waiter paused what should he do he must decide quickly for the man before him 
look dangerous there must be no trouble there because it would mean the loss of his place and the fact that he was a head waiter was dear to him better promise to go and have it out where the presence of amarilla might mitigate his punishment so he stammered forth oh well cuss if you and miss amarilla wants me why i'll come all right and the irate jones turned away with trembling knees he knocked at the jones door that night the old man himself opened to him and received him alone in the front room this was threatening i reckon you realizes mr hatfield said jones when they had seated themselves and disposed of the weather you realizes dat i had something partic'lar to say or i wouldn't a had you come here i knows you's a man a business mr jones i is sir so let's come to business you taught last night dat tilda jenkins was better dressed dan my daughter hatfield glanced at the glowering face and stammered well of course you know mr jones i wasn't a whole committee don't you try to beat her about the bush wid me answer my question cried the father angrily i don't des see how i can answer you heard the decision yes i heard it and i want to know des what you taught they was two other men long wid me jones walked over and stood towering before his trembling victim i's gwine to ax you des once more did you tink matilda's dress any prettier dan my rilla's no no sir chattered the chairman of the committee den thundered amarilla's father den you own up dat you showed favour to one side no no i didn't show no favour but but the majority hit rules majority majority why when i's in the odd fellows meetings if i's one again fifty i brings in a minority report but i don't reckon dat it a dat it a been fitten 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 don't you dare to set there and talk to me about fitten you nasty little rapscallion you no sir you shamed my house you's insulted my gal and oh no mr jones no why dain't nobody i thinks more of den i does of miss amarilla they hain't eh well dey's only one way to prove it said mr jones sententiously and then he called rilla come here i'll be right outside de dough he said and we'll know pretty soon how to treat you he went out and the vivacious rilla entered good evening she said good evening said hatfield in agony oh miss rilla miss rilla he cried i hope you don't think i meant any kind of disrespect to you she hung her head you know dey ain't nobody dat i think any mo of den i do of you in his fervour he took her hand this is so sudden she said but i thought i understood you all along if you really does think so much of me i reckon i has to tech you even ef you was sich a naughty boy last night and she looked at him lovingly he stood with staring eyes dumbfounded she had taken his apology for a proposal of marriage and he he dared not correct her he looked toward the door meditating flight but remembered what was just behind it dear miss amarilla he said this is moden i expected the ponderous mr jones did not bother them again that evening he must have heard all matilda jenkins first heard the news upon the street she came home directly and before taking off her hat picked up the red plush album and hurled it fiercely out into the yard where it barely missed her father's head what's dat he cried dat she shrieked dat is de price of mr hatfield End 
of section twenty three